All right, everyone, welcome to the very first and the world's greatest CrossFit Oakland podcast. It also happens to be the only one. Don't let facts get in the way of grandiose statements, though. So I'm here with Ben. I guess you could consider this the mini and Benny hour, although we definitely won't be going for an hour. Uh, what we want to do to start this off, since it is the first one, we kind of want to define terms and expectations, define who this is for, who it's coming from. In short, this is from the CFO community for the CFO community. Now, Ben and I are a couple coaches here, but we're part of the community as well. And that's probably the highest level thing that we can say about this. But let's get into some more specifics about the origin of this and why it happened, why it's happening now. And it all comes down to a few things. One, oftentimes Ben and I will have these great backroom conversations, for lack of a better term. Same thing with Robin, various coaches as well. And sometimes even clients will have really cool conversations about training, about nutrition, recovery, like everything under the sun, really. Um, related to stuff that happens inside and outside of the gym. And I know Ben has experienced the same thing. And what we want to do is be able to communicate some of these thoughts, these talking points that come up in these conversations to the rest of all of you. Um, also, another thing that we want to do is make sure that when something comes up this month, or this podcast, for example, is going to be about programming. We'll get to that in a little while. We want to make sure that the programming intent is is understood by all and that we're all moving in the same direction lastly we want to make sure that we're answering sometimes proactively maybe you guys aren't even a asking these questions but we want to make sure that we're answering any questions that you guys might have and that can be as formal as a Q&A which we'll get to in a little while too Mike, I totally agree with what you're talking there, and this is what excites me about all of this. Uh, it blows my mind how many times I have a really cool conversation with it in which, why didn't I record that? And so this is kind of my selfish way to get it out to everybody else and to help us help you more. So if I have a great cue for somebody at 6 a.m. and I forget it because the coffee fell off by 9 a.m. or noon, that cue gets into the podcast and then gets out to everybody else, which I think is really gonna help folks throughout the weeks and days, and it, it'll help make things better for everybody. It's, it's kind of really exciting to me to be able to communicate like this, to help people get on the same page, figure out where we're going and all this stuff. Um, it also helps us so that Mike and I can answer deeper questions in person and maybe get some of the broad, kind of big questions out of the way through the podcast. Not that we won't answer those in person still, but it kind of helps us drill to the, the more specifics, the nitty gritty of stuff that we can't cover in a podcast, but one-on-one -on -one we can cover if we get the bigger questions out of the way. I also like to um, think of it as kind of a, um, there's an old saying, when one teaches to learn, and when we're talking about this stuff, it forces us to check our own premises and make sure that we're taking things in the direction that they need to go so that you guys can get the best out of your health, performance, and well-being. So it's a great tool for us to reflect on ourselves and make sure that everything is going on as we'd want to see it going on and a way to communicate any kind of messages that we have related to that. 
I think that might ties right into the what and what we're going to cover in the podcast. So first, programming. I think this helps get your thoughts into a you know communicative form. So everybody goes, oh, this is why Mike is making me do this for the fourth time in four weeks. Exactly. Oh, now I don't hate him so much. I still hate him because it's burpees, but yeah. I hate him a little less. Um, next, it's community. So we have so many cool people here. I mean, goodness gracious. It, all the cool people I get to interact with every day, it's, it's why CrossFit Oakland is so special and happy. And so what this will do is allow us to, two parts of that. First, client folks. We'll get to introduce some really cool clients that we've had for a very long time. And you get to hear their stories and some of the cool things that they do, not only in the gym, but more importantly, outside of the gym and get to hear and see why they do what they do and all of that fun stuff. And maybe it'll connect you with someone else that you didn't know you had something massively in common with. You know, you both realize you love small little tiny dogs and, and now you can go on walks on Saturday together, you know, whatever that is. The other thing I think that's really cool about the community piece is you'll get to know some of the coaches um, that we have here. So we'll interview you know, myself, we'll interview Mike a little bit more, we'll interview Robin, all the other coaches around, and you'll get to know more about them and why they coach or what they love to coach or what they struggle with and maybe in their own training or you know, things like that. Because unknowns to most of us is Mike still struggles with certain things in the gym. He's not perfect. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And just to give a little plug for episode two, um, we're going to have tying right in that community theme. So we mentioned the programming theme, the community theme. Uh, we're going to have Lekka on and she's going to be, she's a coach, she's an athlete, but she's also going to be talking about her games experience and training as a master's athlete. So that's going to be a really good listen. I highly recommend it just to give a little plug. So with talking about the games, and one of the funny things that came out of the games was the wild card. We're also going to have a wild card with the podcast. No, it won't be some blowhard. Or I guess it might be a blowhard when we get the subject matter experts in. (laughs) Since Mike seems to know a couple. Uh, But the wild card podcast, we're calling it, this is where we get to pick a random subject, get to pick a random expert, um, you know, talk open workouts or open forum it's basically we come up with a great idea and go hey this needs to go in a podcast then at the end tail of that is if you guys have a ton of questions and stuff like that you will send out a list send out an email maybe a social media post something and say hey give me your five questions you have for mike or five questions you want answered about the gym or five questions you want answered about how to tie your shoes whatever it is we will answer some funny questions there um Maybe long form, maybe two minute drill type where we put Mike on a clock and see if he can answer a question in one minute or less type style or fun. Just a side note, just to be funny, uh, the shoelace tying thing, that is actually, there's a, for those of you guys who are basketball fans, there was a guy, John Wooden, you may have heard of him, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He actually, one of the very first things that he had his incoming freshmen do was tie their shoes in a very specific way. And there was, there was a method to his badness. He didn't want them getting blisters, but he, he was so process-driven that everyone had, he thought that if everyone could tie their shoes in the same way, then they could do this, that, or the other also, and they'd all be in the same page. So just a side story that just popped into my mind while he was doing that. Uh, so those are the categories, programming, community, and wildcard. Each of our podcasts will be one of those, and we'll try not to do two of the same category on consecutive podcasts. So we'll try and rotate the, through those 
as um, often as we can. Uh, as far as the frequency of this podcast, we're going to do a real soft commit of at least one time per month, but we really don't want, we want to do more than that, but we're trying to under promise and over deliver. Um, I would, I would expect a lot more, but we can for sure commit to one time a week. And then in terms of who's doing this, Ben already covered that really. It's going to be Ben, it's going to be me, it's going to be all kinds of other people and, um, Robin would, would be there like it next week. Just, and, and all you guys out there, don't be surprised if we tap you on the shoulder and want you to come on the podcast sometime. And you don't have to if you don't want to, I will say that. We don't want to pull anybody's teeth, but I am sure far more people would love to hear your story than you would even imagine. Uh, so Mike, with that said, let's go right into this month's topic and talk about August's programming. Yep, August programming, or as it said in the newsletter, June programming. <laughs> That's <a> Sorry! <laughs> I missed that one, guys. That one's on me. Uh, so, um, this month's focus movements are back squat, deadlift, clean and jerk, and handstand push-up. We also want to talk about our Metcons, metabolic conditioning workouts, or just our part Bs, if, if, you, if you want to go there. The stuff that makes you breathe a little bit harder, although getting under a heavy clean and jerk can sometimes make you pretty out of breath too. Um, so first one up, back squat, okay? This is probably, squatting is such an essential movement, it impacts the hips, knees, and ankles. It both um, exposes holes in any of those areas and, and helps, helps shore up those areas at the same time. Um, why back squat? Well, right now we're coming off of the tail end of, of a limit strength where we're trying to push the um, max weight on that. A lot of you guys did that during tier testing. We're just gonna try and ride that wave for a little bit longer, but we've already kind of changed the way that we're executing the squats. Right now, it's on a clock, it's an EMOM piece, and it's with, an, with another skill piece, a gymnastic skill for this month, like our pull-ups or our muscle-ups. And increasingly, as we move through the month, we're gonna decrease the time and probably increase the reps along the way as well. And this is to take the strength that we've developed and to transfer it into more of an open scenario. Ben mentioned the open earlier. As some of you guys know, the open comes up in October. Um, we're gonna devote a whole podcast to this. But the gist of it, for those of you in the know, you already know, but for those of you who don't, is it's a, generally a higher rep work capacity test. It's five of them actually. Um, and so you have to really be able to go and to recover and to breathe and to go again and again and again. And we'll get into more detail on that. But how it ties into the back squat, we want to kind of translate that strength and push it into more of the strength endurance or the general stamina. And so you'll increasingly see more reps. Um, related to that, just so you know, and you're not worried, I wouldn't expect as we as we move off of the tail into this strength focus for you guys to maintain that back squat 1RM, if we'll just use 1RM. Um, 1RMs aren't the most important thing in, in my mind. Um, that's kind of a bias of mine, but it's a useful number and it's a useful way to gauge limit strength and progress with a barbell movement, okay? And it could be with a handstand push-up or a ring dip or two. You could do a weighted ring dip for one rep max I don't want to go off on that tangent right now, but um, 
I wouldn't expect you guys to maintain that. You might actually improve your squat by um, filling in holes. Like we just did that one RM effort and we're going to now fix any issues that may have cropped up during that heavy effort. And that's really the focus of this along with developing the capacity along the way. I think Mike, that, that's the biggest point you, you need to nail home there was finding something and fixing it now because we just did a massive test, right? We just put as much weight as we could on the bar and we saw if we could sit down and stand up. And with that, you should have seen where were my holes, where are my weaknesses, what went well with that squat, what went bad in that squat. And this next cycle gives you a fantastic opportunity to fill those holes. So if you don't bounce out of the bottom of your squat, maybe now you can practice that with the right posture, right positioning, so that when we come back and test a lot down the road, you have that skill and capability. Uh, the other piece I saw um, a lot of people starting to work with this, month, this past Monday um, was how do I breathe, how do I brace with every rep, um, especially as I get tired in my later forms of the imams and stuff like that, maintaining position and getting better at this is the squat that's my best squat, this is the position that I'm working on, this is the depth that I can get to. Um, it was really cool to watch folks do that on Monday because you saw them improve under a heavy barbell. I think that's the underlying thing is like, while we are working on stamina and reps and building, it doesn't mean that that barbell can't get heavy. Yep. What it means is how heavy can you get with a perfect squat? And that perfect squat is your squat. Yep. So perfecting and practicing that movement, I think what Mike is giving us in this month is a great opportunity to, to practice, for lack of better words, and, and get really good at a squat, which then in turn, when we come back and start the loading process to push limit strength is going to make that limit go away and actually see your absolute strength play into there, not just your technique and ability to squat. And Ben mentioned, just a side note, Ben mentioned the P word practice. That's something that is going to be critical that you guys de develop a practice mindset. That's going to carry like way beyond like the, the two month phase that we're entering prepping for the open. That's going to carry you through all of your training. That's something that should be at the forefront of your mind. I'm practicing these movements to get better at them. And I'm using external stressors like the weight on a barbell to to challenge that skill. And that's really what we're after when we load a back squat, when we have you guys um, work at a high end of reps, um, 75 pound front squats for a million reps. Can you maintain that technique? It's really about you're practicing those movements and you're trying to be challenged so that at ever increasing levels of intensity, whether we're talking about load or time stress, um, that you maintain that great technique under, under duration, under duress. So that's back squat. Also just a side note, I mentioned it during the, or in the newsletter that we will be, um, cycling into more open, friendly they're not very friendly open friendly um squat movements so that could be like an overhead squat that could be front squat and that'll be a thruster which is kind of a combo movement but expect expect those to be coming down the uh, pike pretty soon next movement guys that we want to talk about is the deadlift right now it's you can think of it as two 
short four-week cycles, one will uh, fold right into the other, and you're going to see, or you're going to hear here, um, you're going to hear that it's very similar in what we're doing with back squat. This month, we're just trying to squeak the last little bit of limit strength out without really a touch-and-go emphasis. Touch-and-go is going to be a critical word, though, and you're going to really get familiar with that in September. So this month, kind of limit strength, um, trying to press or trying to really push those uh, push the mechanics under a heavy load and then we're going to take that and we're going to translate that strength into reps capacity it'll sound like a broken record but same deal and we're going to really focus on touch and go technique can you do 10 reps touch and go can you do 15 can you do 20 what is the breathing around that what is the bracing around that look like all those good things that you need and the deadlift just because of its whole body nature and how much of the um system hormonal system neuroendocrine system it impacts is going to be a great tool for fostering really strong adaptations as well so you mean deadlifting is not a crime right <laughs> absolutely not sorry inside joke if you're a rogan fan you'll understand what i meant there <laughs> uh, uh deadlifts for me what excites me in what mike's programming this month is this whole ability for our folks to to reset at the top of their deadlift and build that. Um, what, what makes me so excited is you guys are really good at that. I, I, I see better deadlifts in reps two, three, four, um, up until you know really fatigue comes and the wheels fall off. But when we're not fatigued and, and, and focused on it, those second, third, fourth reps look really good. So what's awesome about the touch and go pattern that we're gonna build here is it's gonna teach you that hinge, teach you that stacking, that breathing, that bracing, so that you continue to practice and get better at the deadlift, which in turn will make your first reps better and stronger down the road. So this, fir this first cycle of four weeks, that limit strength will definitely get pushed. And I think that's going to be because you've practiced the lift and built yourself from the top down sometimes so that when you go from the bottom up, everything looks good, everything moves well. Um, one thing I'd say to focus on in that downward is actually holding onto the bar a little bit better, not only, uh, especially in this first one, in the first four weeks here, because that eccentric is gonna build a ton of strength for you. You might be a little more sore and hate me a little bit more, but in the back end, you will see a whole bunch more strength than just dropping it, resetting and going. You'll be able to do more weight in the long term because you've built the eccentric, time under tension, all those great things that we talk about um, will happen through the deadlift and your hard work, which is really exciting because the deadlift is one of those, when you work at it, you practice it, for the most part, it always seems to just keep going up. <laughs> all right, and then the next movement, you guys, that I wanna talk about, that we wanna talk about is the clean and jerk. Uh, clean and jerk is often referred to, and I think correctly, as the king of all barbell lifts. If you think about it, it's a pull, so it's a hinge, it's a squat, and then it's a dynamic pressing movement. We're developing a ton of power production when we do that. Let's just simplify that. That just means you're moving a pretty heavy weight in a really fast short frame of time, okay? And that's, that's what power is about. If we look at most sports, power and speed are kind of the, um, the, the limiting or the critical factors towards sporting excellence. 
And um, so this is a great way to access that athleticism. And probably, I think I've heard Ben say before that he thinks this is the best way to access athleticism in the gym, at least, and with a barbell, we'll put it that way. Uh, there are very few other movements that are gonna compare. Um, the snatches may be a little more complex, but this is a great whole body exercise. And also there's a lot of um, coordination and neuromuscular components to it. This is not something that you folks should shy away. Like I hate, I hate having to get in all these specific positions. It's so technical. All of the value is not all the value, but much of the value comes from the very nature uh, of the fact that it's technical. Okay, and practice again, practicing these movements, practicing getting your body in these very specific positions very quickly is essential to your development. And it's really fun too. I think Mike, that's the biggest point. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with the fun piece here because I will make the, the outstanding claim that if you want to be a better dancer, you need to be a better cleaning jerker because nothing else in the gym translates to footwork speed, hip movement, and coordination with your arms. Okay, if you want to salsa dance, you gotta have your hips, feet, and hands all working together, all right? So, since we all wanna have great dance moves on the dance floor, that's where I think cleaning jerks are gonna be really cool and awesome for us. The big piece I've seen in Mike's programming for the month is complexes, which is actually a really exciting thing um, because now you're gonna get one, not only reps, but you're gonna get time um, under tension with those reps. So you're going to feel like today where it's a power clean, two front squats and a squat clean, you're going to feel like, oof, on that, that fourth movement, that final squat clean. But you also recognize, wow, I have so much more in that tank with my squat clean. I can still move that weight that I struggled with in the power clean. And if you coordinate all that and get it rolling, it's going to make a huge difference. And that all ties into one of the big points that I've been trying to work on with folks in this lovely little hook grip. Um, no, it's not just that Olympic cool weightlifting company that puts out awesome Instagram videos. It's actually how you should grip the barbell. And there's a whole bunch of points. I think Mike and I could delve into a crazy um, in-depth podcast on that. But if you don't know what the hook grip is or never tried the hook grip, next time you show up to class, ask your coach and go, what the heck is this hooker thing, Ben? And what do you want me to do with my thumbs? Um, as I wiggle my thumbs and give Mike a big thumbs up here. Uh, so it, that hook grip is gonna help you cycle that barbell far better, turn over the barbell better, make each rep better. So the better we are at it, and the better you can use it, the better you'll become at clean and jerking, and then also the better you'll become as a dancer. And it's just, it's not an optional thing. It's, it's what you have to do to be good at clean and jerks. You have to use that hook grip. And it, also for snatches as well. So to reiterate what Ben said, make sure you check in with a coach if you've never done the hook grip and start working that. Next movement, you guys, handstand push-up. And just a little side point. Uh, some folks have asked why, you know, traditionally we do pressing exercises on Wednesday, and that's the case this month too. They're asking why aren't we doing a barbell? We did dumbbells the, the month before. Why aren't we doing a barbell pressing movement? The answer is we're doing that on Friday, the jerk. If you can get really good at barbell jerks, your press is going to be aided greatly, okay? Sure, you're using your whole body, but the lockout piece, 
kind of isometric hold of a very heavy weight that's heavier than what you can press is going to help with your press, I guarantee it. Especially when we're talking about the position that you need to be in in a jerk, a heavy jerk overhead. It's uh, it's no different than the handstand push-up, the bracing that in, that is involved there, which is a perfect segue into the handstand push-up, which we're focusing on this month. It's kind of the ultimate skill transfer exercise for general pressing movement. The way it trains your body to be braced and stable, a strong and stable torso. The way that um, you have to have ideal shoulder position to be able to express power through that pressing plane. Um, as well as because you're upside down, there's a little balance component. There's a little bit of fear, which is kind of fun. And then there's a little bit of um, coordination that's involved. So it's a really high skill pressing movement. And that's why we love it. And just a little insight about the programming, the first couple of weeks, because we do care about the positioning piece so much, we're gonna be working on, on a slower, strict version, but our intention is to fully get you guys up to speed on the positioning piece and to um, move right into kipping variations of the handstand push-up. And the really cool thing about this, best of all, actually, is that if you don't currently have a handstand push-up, whether we're talking strict or kipping, it doesn't matter. We're gonna find a progression for you. Please come in on Wednesdays this month. Um, it's a critical piece. It's gonna help you in all of the other pressing aspects. So whether it's with a barbell, a dumbbell, uh, whatever, uh, a Turkish getup, it doesn't really matter. Anything where you have to support weight overhead, this handstand push-up series is gonna help you. I think that's what's so cool about this series, Mike, when you, when you talk helping people. I think one of the most challenging things you can do is flip your world upside down and figure out how to get out of it, right? So that's what we do in handstand push-up. Exactly. You know, you got you upside down literally, and now you got to press yourself off the ground. Um, I also think that when we look at strict handstand push-ups, especially when we then look at them off the wall and that variation, it's probably one of the most beautiful and most challenging movements we do in the gym. And if you can coordinate that stacking and bracing and all of that, it's going to translate to so many more things. And that is what's so cool about the handstand push-up. If you want to be a better presser, you want to be a better clean and jerker, figuring out strict handstand push-ups will help you with all those pieces parts. Um, and that's what's so cool. It's also our subtle way of kind of punching the critics of CrossFit. I think um, what I think is cool is what we demonstrate with the scaling options and everything like that and the working on the strict components first is we, we kind of cut the noise on, oh, you should never do those handstand pushups because you're going to fall on your head and you're going to get a concussion. Well, yeah, there is that opportunity. We've seen it. Um, but I think if we progress right, we take the ego aside just a little bit and we pad the floor, we can get you to that strict handstand pushup in the proper manner that when done well and when done right is one of the most beautiful things we can do to show our fitness in the gym. I think that those, you know, if you watch some of these really beautiful at strict handstand pushups, they click them up and down. There's no problem with their head. Their neck doesn't hurt. There's control, there's strength, there's balance, there's coordination. You know, we could delve into the all 10 fundamental skills, uh, but they, we cover so much with that handstand pushup. It really excites me. And I think what's cool about how Mike programs this is if you can do five strict handstand push-ups, 
pretty quickly once you once you learn how to kip for some of us <laughs> um, that will translate into a massive multiplier so where five strict unbroken handstand push-ups translates into 15 20 kipping handstand push-ups unbroken and and keeping going there so just adding one more strict handstand push-up could add five ten kipping handstand push-ups to your your repertoire which is really cool one other thing i just thought of too guys we often um, want to assure everyone that if they're, if you can't, we'll use the handstand push-up. If you can't, for example, do a handstand push-up currently, we'll figure out a progression for you. Let's talk about the scaling up. If you're someone who's, like, who's a handstand push-up, especially a strict one, badass, and you have whatever, 10, 15, I know there are a few of you who do that, consider adding range of motion. We can scale the handstand push-up up as well and that's a really cool thing to play with as well so we can get you on parallettes um, we can stack them as high as you can go if uh, if you're still knocking out 20 strict parallel handstand push-ups we can work on freestanding ones eventually but we could even add like a weight vest to have some overload so there are all kinds of ways that you can scale this handstand push-up up or down and so it's Again, I just encourage you guys to come in on Wednesday. This is going to be a great thing to play with and to practice. And to that practice point, Mike, we just spent a month practicing push-ups. And I think people will be surprised at how much carryover and success they'll see from their hard work in practicing those push-ups where they did the exact same thing in a horizontal nature, but with that 2-2 tempo that you had us all do, which we hated and loved at the same time, we'll find that, oh, wow. I can stack better now. I can control my core, and it's, I'm not the wavy, wacky, inflatable arm tube man when I'm <laughs> when I'm trying to press out of my handstand. I actually have a tight body, and I float right up. Um, I think that's going to be really awesome to watch people and the click that they'll get in translating those two from one to the other. Yeah, and that's a good side point too. That push up, both the push up challenge and the training we did around that wasn't by accident. The stuff carries over, um, and oftentimes it's not just Mike is trying to be a, a mean person. It, it carries over. And so sometimes if you guys don't understand why push-ups, why whatever, there's a reason usually. And just ask your coach too if, if you have questions about that. Okay. And one more piece to that, Mike. I, I think what we didn't highlight that is really important too, how many strict press PRs did you see last month? Oh, we saw a ton. Exactly. A ton. And, and when did we touch the <laughs> yeah, bar? Yeah, we, we, we touched a barbell and a while and not certainly not throughout that month it just happened that tear testing happened during that month but we were doing dumbbell presses and push-ups so i think that's that's the underlying thing there is you sometimes don't have to do the actual movement to get better at it where if i get better and stronger pressing and i clean up my form or i get better at stacking coordinating my core and lower half when pressing boom i create change and adaptation Absolutely, there's that saying, everything is everything, and, and it certainly applies and to the stuff we do in the gym. All right, moving along. Final piece we wanna talk about, they're not the focus movements of the month, but they're, it's kind of a roadmap and where we're headed with the, the, we'll call it Metcons, metabolic conditioning workouts, part Bs, okay? The stuff where you breathe a little bit harder. So, we're two months out, to the day, oh, oh, as of Saturday, two months out from the release of the first open workout. We're gonna devote an entire episode to the open 
just know if you don't know what it is that it's a it's a really fun five week thing that happens we have a new format that we're going to be doing to make it super accessible we've listened to the feedback regarding how it was a challenge sometimes to get the open workouts in and we're really excited about our new format we'll talk about that more in a later podcast that being said whether you're participating or not you're going to get better conditioned over the next couple of months so our conditioning workouts are gonna be geared more towards increasing work capacity. How much work can you do in a given amount of time? Um, generally higher rep efforts, not necessarily heavy efforts, um, maybe medium, often light. People really underestimate light loads moved at a high um, work rate. And that that is unfortunate because it's a potent stimulus and damn, it's hard as well. Um, Another thing we're going to be focusing on is breathing. You guys need to know when we're doing these high efforts and you're going for 10 minutes of a couple exercises, how do you manage your air? How do you manage your posture? How do you um, take breaks? There are all kinds of strategies around this stuff that are really important to getting your fitness on in these things. You mean I'm not supposed to just hold my breath for 10 reps and see what happens? Yeah, I know. Funny how that doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, no examples there of my own. Training. One other thing I wanted to mention is that traditionally, in we start open prep two months out, so that's here. And traditionally, we start we do about uh, five to six open workouts themselves. So we'll actually be doing open workouts starting in the third week of August, and those will usually be on Saturday. We might throw in a midweek one if it's a shorter effort and it fits well with the rest of the programming. But um, we want you guys to experience that. And it's a good opportunity to have a comparison point based on how you did, if you did this workout in the past. I think to that point, Mike, when you talk comparison point, another thing to look at is working on something in that open workout. So maybe you're not gonna do a, a, a test for test. You're maybe gonna say, nope, this time I wanna, I wanna try and RX the weight in the open workout, or I want to take it down and see if I can't hit some of those really high scores that people were doing in training towards, or I want to test myself and see if I, if I do singles on these toes of bar, do I get a better score in the open workout? And so maybe when the open comes, I do that. You know, you can play with more things and different strategies and get better at that strategizing of workout yeah. and having a plan than just going, all right, there's the workout, go. Yeah, <laughs> which works. We all do it, For uh, sure. but sometimes it's fun to, to actually put a plan in place and see how you hold up. For sure, consider these open workout retests, for lack of a better word, as your own personal lab, basically running experiments to to find optimal methods for you. Okay, an optimal method for me, for Ben, for Joe CrossFitter may not be the way that's best for you. Okay, so that's an important thing. This is all about how you approach these workouts, and that's why we're here to help. I think another piece to that is um, with all these conditioning pieces and how you're structuring the program, work capacity is gonna come up a lot and how much work capacity you have. So for some of us who care about how we do in the open and care about that piece in part, work capacity is really important because if you don't have the work, doesn't matter if you can string together 40 toes of bar if you're out of breath and can't do, lift the bar after that, it does you no good. Or you can lift lots of weight, usually in the open, it doesn't matter if you can't 
do that at a high heart rate and high out of breath. Now, for those of us who are like, Ben, I don't care about work capacity. Why does this, or I don't care about the open. Why do I care about work capacity? This is the cool thing. That work capacity translates directly into your body composition a lot of times. Those of us with a little, I'll say, need for improvement body composition probably have a little bit less work capacity. Um, Also, it translates to how you go through life, right? If I don't have work capacity, I can't chase my kids around the house. I can't stay focused at work for hours and be able to get more work done. I, um, I can't help that um, neighbor move their heavy couch like across, across, down the block. I was thinking also there's a, a very inappropriate thing we could talk about maybe towards the bedroom and work capacity, <laughs> but I won't go down that road. Um, overall though, if you improve your work capacity, I am betting your physique improves in some form or fashion. I am betting that you will feel better in some form or fashion. Now that said, think about that on the back end where you can improve it to a point and also degrade it to a point. So if you're going too hard in workouts or trying to push yourself beyond your limits and not recovering from those, you're going to collapse at some point. And that's where we have to find that balance and where maybe hitting a workout at 80% today, but just hitting it is gonna be a win in my work capacity versus I hit Monday's workout at 110% and then I can't come in and really work at Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday because I'm so drained from Monday. So maybe it's a 70, 70, 70, 70, 70 across the board, which then leads to a bigger percentage overall than just crush one day, don't do very well the rest. Yep, and that brings back a point that I wanted to make uh, during clean and jerk, but it applies more generally, and that's 90% efforts. In the Olympic lifting community, they track everything. They're like, in CrossFit as well, they track everything. But one of the things that they do is they tend to, they tend to um, evaluate a person's skill in Olympic lifting. The clean and jerk will just use as a very relevant app, uh, example of how easily and how technically pure you can do your 90%. So 90% of whatever your best clean and jerk is. The, so understanding what your best effort is, and it's more difficult in, a, in a, um, like an open style workout or testing work capacity, but this is important because it's going to teach you to kind of become more self-aware, aware of your body. We won't throw in any jokes around body awareness, but um, um, it's important that you understand like, hey, I feel my heart rate really jacked up. I think I just crossed some anaerobic threshold. Take a note of that. Write it down in your journal. Write it down in your phone. Use these workouts as a means for understanding what pushes you over the edge and how you can ride that line and when you like ben said when you need a recovery day as well so in those 90 percent efforts you won't know what a 90 percent effort is if you don't know what a hundred percent is or what an 80 percent and yes of course it's kind of subjective but it's really really going to be critical not just for the open but for the rest of your training life to um understand intensity levels and how they impact you and how you can mitigate those dips and sometimes understanding that you need to take a break or you need like a a couple days of really low intensity stuff to get back that's normal training cycle that's life Um, and that also plays into 
total stress. And we'll talk about that in another episode where there are stressors in the gym and outside of the gym and they all combine and people don't take those into account sometimes. But anyway, I just wanted to add that little point in. That's a good point. But also don't be afraid to go ham once in a while. For out. sure. You also, <laughs> you can't know 90% unless you know 100%. So enjoy those days laid out on your back. Have yep. a little fun. Yep. Well, Mike, I think that covers everything. That covers it. That was uh, August programming as well as kind of laying out the format for future podcasts. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in to, once again, the world's greatest CrossFit Oakland podcast. And we'll see you guys next when we sit down and it's all about Lekka Feynman. All right, guys. See you around the gym. Have a great day.